Um, okay, so we've gone through the sermon series on the fruit of the Spirit. We went through almost all of them, um, all the way up to self-control, because I just didn't want to talk about it. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I hate that one. So I just left it out. I didn't want to deal with self-control. Who does? Okay. Um, so um, we actually it just I just ended it because of some other stuff. But we went through the sermon series on the fruit of the Spirit. I'm certain that you've remembered everything that I've said, all my points and examples and stories. And so at the end of each sermon series, what it is that I do is I then do a what we have called for a long time in this church, which is a living room Sunday, where you get to ask me questions. My wife will be up here with me and you can ask any question about the fruit of the spirit or something a question that you have theologically or how you experience things because often what ends up happening as being the leader of this church I, I try to address questions I think we're all asking as people and sometimes I'll get it right and sometimes I'll get it wrong so this is your opportunity to be able to ask me questions and so the way that we do this is you uh, here's the list of the fruit of the Spirit, just so we can all have a refresher. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So the way that we do this is you'll just text my phone. Um, this is my number. My beautiful wife will read the questions, and then I will answer them, and she might help me out. Let's give it up for my beautiful wife. Married 23 years. She's still super hot. <laughs> You're so blessed, honey. That's what my wife says. I'm like, no, you should say thank you or something. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> How's that work out? Um, yeah, so you guys text the question that you have, and then. What's your most memorable Halloween costume? Actually a question? That's my question because no one texted me. Oh, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. My most memorable Halloween costume? I don't know. That's a bad question. Is it what's your most memorable Halloween costume? I was a giggle box. What? My mom painted a big box silver and put a, a hole for my head and arms, and she put a button on the front. And when I knocked on the door, I told the person to push my button, and then I would just laugh hysterically. Okay, that's, that's my wife in a nutshell right there. Now you know. If you didn't know, now you know. Now you know. What's your favorite part about being married to... Do we have a question yet? No, you don't. Oh, no questions, guys. We're just going we're, we're to... All of your questions have been answered. Can you spend a couple minutes describing the biblical definition of self-control? Dear Lord. Oh, my gosh. Who wrote? Is the name on that question or no? <laughs> oh, dear God. There, uh, there might be. Um, Biblical definition. I have to think about this one now. Well, I mean, I think with all the fruits... Of the spirit. I mean, we would really only need self-control. What we're going to do would be sinful or act outside of like the nature of Jesus. So when we think about the fruit of the spirit, 
It's something that the Holy Spirit is doing inside of us. But at the same time, and this is one of the things I tried to stress in, in the sermon series, it's also something we do in partnership with God, that God produces the fruit in us, but we tend the fruit and we help it to grow. So in terms of self-control, um, if we are, and all of us sin, that, that's, we all wrestle with that. And so self-control is when we know that we have an opportunity to do something that is sinful, but then by the prompting of the Holy Spirit, I would say, we choose to agree with him in that moment to not then give in to that sinful desire or to do something that I know that I shouldn't do. I think sometimes, I'll, and I'll speak for myself, there are times when I react to things and I don't really think about it and it happens and then I, re I regret that. But oftentimes when I'm presented with a sinful situation, I know that there's might be a millisecond, it might be a full second, it might be a minute where I'm given the opportunity to really say, do I want to participate in this or not? Again, some of them are just like straight reactionary, but a lot of times like, do I really want to tell this person that right now? Do I really want to tell them off? Do I really want to chase this person down in my car and um, or my wife chase them down in the car and yell at them? Um, so self-control, again, this idea of yielding to Jesus as king, that he's the teacher and I'm the student. So again, asking myself in that moment, what would Jesus do? Just that simple goofy bracelet. I still have one at home. What would Jesus do? It's a fantastic question. It has not grown old. Like what would Jesus do in this moment? Would he do this? What would he say to this individual? How would he respond? Um, and that's not easy, but it's good. And it helps to shape us to become more like Christ, which is the goal. What is the biblical definition of self-control? Hmm. I don't know. I would just say, I don't know the biblical definition, but I would just say not being reactionary is probably a pretty good one. Probably a pretty good one. The next question is, what is on your birthday wish list? Are you serious? That's a real question. Dear Lord. All right, come on, guys. Um, what is on my, my birthday? I have no idea right now. I'm not, I'm not thinking about that. I like soccer. He likes charcuterie boards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Uh, I have no idea. I'm trying to think. Actually, if you want to get me something... I want I want a good book on the history of Native Americans. Oh, that's great. What is your favorite verse and why? Um, Second Corinthians five twenty one. For he made him who had no sin to become sin for us so that we might be called the righteousness of God. Uh, that, I mean, I think that that, I love that verse because it's it's so definitive of what Jesus did for us that he made him who had no sin to become sin for us. That that's so powerful to think that Jesus, I, I think that Oftentimes we have such a, we don't have a big enough understanding of who Jesus is and what he actually did in that, um, and I don't want to get too thick into it, that 
there are only two people within the history of mankind who represent mankind, and one is Adam, the first Adam. He represents mankind. Theologically, we would say he is a federal head, meaning that he represents mankind, and that Jesus, people would say he's the second Adam, but actually he's the last Adam. There will be no more Adams after him. There will be no more federal heads. There will be no people, uh, more people to represent mankind, and that he... God the Father both allowed him to come and Jesus himself willingly came to become sin, that, that he became a scapegoat. If you know anything about Jewish history, that they would have scapegoats and they would put sin on, they would nail their sins to the, to the goat and then they'd let the goat walk out into the desert and die. Um, that he allowed him who had no sin to become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. I mean, and that's a whole nother thing that we, we in Christ are the righteousness of God. I think one, we underestimate who Jesus is. And I think also at the same time, we underestimate or downplay who we are in Christ, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, does it feel like that all the time? No. And I often laugh like when I'm doing bad and I might look at myself in the mirror and be like, dude, you're the righteousness of God in Christ right now. I'm like, this doesn't look right. Uh, but that's, that is true. Um, so that's my, that's my favorite scripture. And when the Gentile church, and I don't know where it's at, when the Gentile church... Or when the Jewish, when they were trying to figure out what were the requirements of the Gentiles when they were coming into the church and there were only two things, that still to this day blows my mind that it was, and someone can correct me here because I'm sure people know, is one that they, they weren't allowed to um, sacrifice, uh, be a part of any type of ritualistic sacrifice that the pagans did. And they weren't allowed to do like some type of sexual interaction um, but the thing that blows me away by that list is how small it is. Whereas we as religious people tend to pile onto ourselves or others religious requirements of things that need to happen before we can start following Jesus. Blows me away. Oh, I, sh I should be like this. I woulda, coulda, all these things. But Jesus is like, no, come. I'll transform you from the inside out. That blows me away that the, that the Jews would have allowed themselves or seen that, that Jesus was sufficient to do that. So hopefully I answered the question. What are some practical tips you can give for people who want to see more of the fruit of the Spirit in their life? That's a good question. Um, I think for me... Um, probably the thing, church, and I don't mean church attendance, although church attendance is a part of that. And I'll just speak out of experience, um, that when I started following Jesus and I came to this church, there were probably about like 10 to 12 people in this church. I was 22 years of age. I had, you know, uh, come out of high school and partying and all these things. And here I found myself in this, this goofy, dorky church where no one looked like me. I, I, no one was my age. 
Um, but I pressed in. I just asked all the questions I wanted to ask. And so I wanted, when I say church, I mean getting involved in other people's lives. Um, and that, you know, being, being present with one another, um, spending time with one another, asking people all the questions that you want to ask um, certainly is one of them. Because Jesus is the head, the, the, the church is his body. So when, if I spend time with Kevin, I'm spending time with Christ. I'm spending time with Christ in heaven. And I get to hear and grow because of that. Um, Certainly, I mean, every day have I woken up for the last 20-something years and read scripture. I used to read a ton of it. Now I just read one chapter a day, every single day. I read one chapter, and then I'm reading a Henry Nouwen book. And so um, certainly doing those things and then spending time with the Lord, getting to understand his voice, hear his voice, speaking to the Holy Spirit. There's nothing... There's nothing magical or anything that's like all there's some silver bullet. It's very how do you how do you grow in a relationship with anyone? Because the fruits of the spirit are really dependent on my relationship with God. How do I grow in a relationship with my wife? Well, we need to spend time together. We need to talk. Um, we need to argue because that's just a part of being in a relationship. You know, so all of these things and so spending time with him, you know, how do you spend your time? Are, are you valuing spending time with Jesus? Um, and then I think look Looking at those fruits and saying like, okay, well, how do these things kind of manifest in my life? Am I seeing more love? Am I seeing more patience? Am I actually seeing this? And again, like, you know, come, hey, spend, if I spend time with Kevin, Kevin and I spend time together, Kevin is able to say like, I don't really think you're being that loving right now. And so then I can either get defensive and be like, you're wrong. You're not being really faithful right now. Um, you know, but the goal is to be able to spend time with one another and then we help each other to grow. The interesting thing about the fruit of the spirit, if you look at them, that it really is something that we demonstrate to one another. You look at, I think almost all of them are dependent on being in a community and doing these things together. I don't, gentleness towards myself, but certainly gentleness towards my brothers and sisters, that's for sure. So practice, and you'll get it wrong, and that's okay, right? This is a community where getting it wrong is okay. I would add to that, find people who you want to be like. Like, instantly when LaFrentis showed up, I was like, I want to hang out with Cindy. Whoa, she's been following God all, all this part of her life. Like, I just want to sit next to her. You know, so if there's someone who you're like, how are they such a great parent? Or how are they so patient or kind or loving or joyful? What if then hang out with that person? Because I don't know, I can learn things by reading, but I learn it much more by watching and seeing and hearing and experiencing. So when you're, you can kind of catch things a little bit when you're around them. And, and I would just want to, I, I wholeheartedly agree. If you spend any time with me, what you will know is I'm a huge fan of church. Always have been, always will be. And what I mean by church is the people of God doing the things of God. That is so incredibly important. One, two, we live in the most individualistic culture to have ever existed within human history, like truly. However, if we back that up a little bit, I would say that individualism is a fallacy. It does not exist. 
no one has gotten to where they're at, good or bad, by themselves. We all have individual decisions that we make, but it is a total fallacy to think that I do this all on my own. And God, God is three in one, the Trinity. All the letters that Paul wrote, you're like, Paul wrote this by himself. Almost every, at the end of every letter, he talks about like, I was here with Silas and whomever else. He's with other people the whole time. Who you spend time with is incredibly important, like my wife was saying, to the type of person that you will become. When did you know you wanted to become a pastor? Um, I think so. Uh, probably never, to be honest. Um, I, you know, so I was reading through, <laughs> but this is funny. Uh, I just, I just read the scriptures, and as I was following Jesus and hanging out with people, um, I read through the Book of Acts. And I think this is how it's supposed to go. If you honestly read the New Testament, you read through the Gospels and you're like, ah, this Jesus, there's something about this Jesus guy. If we were to like break it down into big bullet points, the Gospel writers were thinking, there's something about this Jesus guy. One. Two, then you start reading the book of Acts and you're supposed to say, I want to do this. Like, there's something in here. I want to do this. And that's what happened to me. I was reading through the book of Acts. I'm like, this is so cool. Like, he's going out there and talking about Jesus and maybe not the shipwrecks and getting stones, throwing, people throwing rocks at you and stuff, you know. But maybe even that, I don't know. I'm like, this just seems like worth giving my life to. And so then in terms of our context, then leadership was just something that I've always really gravitated towards. And then ultimately, um, I, I think how I ended up doing this and why I love this is that if anyone in this room was able to experience what I experienced by being a part of this community, then I am willing to lead this, regardless of the cost to me or how unflattering it can be sometimes or just weird, that if this group of people can be to you what it was to me, then it will be worth it for me to lead this church until I'm done. This might be redundant, but just tell me if you think it is. Um, verses 22 and 23 state, these are the fruit of the Spirit, which suggests they are a byproduct of living by the Spirit. So the emphasis is not on seeking the fruit, but living and keeping in step with the Spirit. Please explain the relationship between verses 22 and 23 and verses 24 through 25. I don't know. Oh, okay, that's good. I just have the Bible memorized. Um, let me see what I say, keeping in step with the Spirit. Well, I think that what you're kind of mentioning or noting here is that, um, yes, by, by keeping in step with the Spirit, one is, we, at least theologically, one, if you... 
I mean, walking with the Spirit, the Spirit of God is inside of us, and so the Spirit of God gives us promptings. It, and this is all, I can only just share my experience and what I've seen. Uh, so when it comes to love or any of the fruit of the Spirit, oftentimes I feel like either gross by not doing it or I feel like warm per se, like this is the right thing to do. And I, and so I feel like I'm in step with the Spirit. Um, but certainly I think the, you know, the Holy Spirit growing that relationship with him and getting to know his voice. And that's why, you know, like even this morning, like when after worship and it was like, let's, I just wanted to take some time, a moment, silence, inviting the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's here, but there's just something happens when we invite him to be here. Um, in that hearing his voice, hearing his promptings, like this whole idea of the, you know, Tony has the questions for Jesus, asking Jesus questions, not so much in terms of like what it is that I should be doing, you know, like Jesus, what should I do? Where should I move? What type of job should I have? But who am I? Do you love me? Like really, Jesus, do you really love me? And that may sound like, so boring like none of us are going to see the foundation of this building but it's not boring it's pivotal to everything that's built on top of it and so when we ask these questions like jesus do you really love me and we all know the right answer jesus isn't necessarily concerned with right answers he really wants your real answer it's what he really wants he's got enough right answers in his lifetime to be bored to death what he doesn't have is the real answer, and that exists within you, the real answer, right? Like, God, do you, I want to know. And same with the Spirit. Like, how do we nurture that relationship with him? How do we think we hear his voice? Do we act on that? Do you really want me to pray for this person while I'm in line at the grocery market? This is so weird. Do you really want me to? Right? So the, this idea of growing in him, in the spirit, um, and the spirit of God is both ever-present and funny. So yes, it is something that he produces inside of us, but then it's something that we nurture and growing with him. Um, so yeah, I would just say converse more with the Holy Spirit. If there was like no limit or friction to stop it, what would be your like hope, dream for like this church, like the next five years, the next 10 years? Like if, if the sky was the limit and God was like, what do you want? Like what would be your hope for this church? Jeez. <laughs> um. You know, one of the things that I think that we do really, really well, guys, is um, that we love everybody, and that's really cool. I've, I don't think I've ever met anyone who's walked in here and f said, I felt like people judged me or didn't accept me, and so I know that we do that really well. Um, I think the thing that I would want to see long-term is I would want to see more people um, growing in the things that God has called them to in terms of leadership, in terms of small groups, in terms of church planting, in terms of missions, 
these are things that I think that, I mean, they're like in the next gear, like, okay, we've shifted gears into second gear, third gear, fourth gear. Um, James, who's normally here, he's up in Alturas watching his uh, son play football. Um, he's part of the leadership class with me, and I said, hey, so James, what is it that you want to do? He said, well, I want to be a, I want to go on some missions. And I said, well, where do you want to go on missions? And he's like, well, I think I want to go to Eastern Europe. And I'm thinking, like, what are you th- Eastern Europe? What are you talking about? So we're going down to Cottonwood, and I say, well, where has God been speaking to you about going on missions? And he said, well, I think God's been saying he wants me to go to Indonesia. And I'm like, there you go. And so then Erica Tuggle and John Tuggle, they spent years in Indonesia. So I told them, hey, turn around and tell Erica you want to go to Indonesia. And he's like, I want to go to Indonesia. And she's like, what? No way. Yes. And so for me, one of the things that I want to see us do is, one, reach our community locally. And then at the same time, to be able to raise up church planters to start communities, which essentially is a, is a house church that then grows, or to send off church plants into or missions into other places around the world. That's certainly what I want to see, you know, um, and so with James, I'm like, dude, if you want to go to Indonesia, let's go to Indonesia. You know, let's do it. You want to do that, James? James, who comes out of rehab. And now all of a sudden he feels like God's calling him to go to Indonesia. Let's go to Indonesia. Let's do it. Right? Um, because God's doing something in him. And I know that there's some other people that would like to participate. And obviously the Tuggles, would they can translate for us and go there and all those things. And so... That's what I would like to see happen, and, and just to be able to see people grow. That's, that's, my, that's my heart. That's all the questions we have at this time. No more questions? We should start asking them questions. If you're not going to send in your questions, we're going <laughs> to... I have a question. So here's a question that I have in terms of like the questions for Jesus. Now, here's the thing. Most people will be, most people who enjoyed it will say like, I really enjoyed it for this reason. And I would really like to hear that, why you enjoyed the questions for Jesus. But I'd also like to hear from people that you struggled with it, or maybe you didn't get it, or you didn't like it. Um, And so uh, for those of you who don't know, at the end of each sermon, we asked a question, um, Jesus, Again, Jesus, what do you love about me? Um, and then you would sit for a moment, and then Jesus would speak to you, and then you would share that with someone else. And so um, we did that. And so I'd like to hear your feedback. What were some of the things, if you liked it, that you liked about it? Okay, so hearing from God, communicate with God. Go ahead, Jim.
Yeah. Yeah, that's excellent. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Anybody else? Yeah. You are not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I just, I appreciated when people shared vulnerable things with me. Like, I learned some things about people that I didn't know when they were, like, sharing bits of things that they had feared in the past or whatever. And I just had, like, a respect for that. They were willing to share those things.
does speak. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Julia? Yeah, yeah. 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 That's great. Anyone anyone else? Oh, I know. We all know. Um, okay. Thank you, everyone, for your questions. We're going to do communion. Um, one of the things that I did want to bring up, too, um, that I assume everyone knows about. I mean, I, I, I guess I keep, like, waiting for things to be normal. <laughs> and I guess they're just not going to be. Obviously, the... Uh, Palestinian and the stuff going on in Israel, man. It's just so heavy. I was thinking about it this morning, and it's just, like, grieving me. Um, and I know it just grieves the heart of God, and not because it's just Israel. Do, do not be confused. The Palestinian people, those are God's kids. All of them. Every single one of them. Every single one of them. And I am not a major, like, pro-Israel guy. I'm a pro-everybody guy because um, I think that's what God is. But it is just such a bummer. And the interesting thing about that, too, is makes you forget that Ukraine is just getting beat up, right? It's just, like, something new to where you're like, dude, if if... If it's all just so much, 
And then the things that are happening here in America as a result of, you know, like university campuses, all these things, man, it just like breaks my heart. It's just so wild. Um, So I just think today as we're taking communion, and communion is open for anyone who follows Jesus or wants to follow Jesus, um, I think it would just be good for us to, um, I don't even know how this would even work, but we're just going to do it, and you can do it if you want to. Just holding in our hearts the things that are going on in terms of Russia and Ukraine and Israel and Palestine as we come forward and we take communion, as we hold on to the elements, knowing that um, as we sit in an air-conditioned building, that there's just so much chaos going on, but that Jesus is still the king, the king of the cosmos, and that uh, he loves his kids. So... If you want to take communion, just come down the center aisle. Dip the cracker into the wine. Go around the sides like this. And then we'll take communion together at the end. Jesus, we come before you and we thank you for your peace. God, and we do want to ask for your peace, Lord. Lord, we ask that you would visit 
your Palestinian children in the midst of all of this chaos and that you would reveal yourself to them. God, we also ask that you would reveal yourself to your Israel, Israelite children, that you would love on them, that we know, Lord, that apart from you, there can be no peace in our hearts and there can be no peace collectively. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for us on the cross, that you became sin for us so that we might be the righteousness of God in you. Thank you for that. Let's partake. Why don't we stand? I'm just going to pray a prayer blessing over us before we take off for the rest of our day. If you did want prayer for anything, you can come on down and up front. We would love to pray for you, lay hands on you, and agree just with what God is doing in your life. Uh, share a prophetic word or um, just ask questions to Jesus with you. Lord, we thank you for this time to gather. We thank you for the gift of the church, for brothers and sisters to be able to journey with. Lord, we ask that you would help us to grow in you, that you would continue to help us to stay in step with you, that we would grow in the fruits of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would open our eyes to you, that you're in us, you're around us, you're doing things. Would you help us to discern your voice, where you're calling us to go, what you're calling us to do, the type of people that you're asking us to be, and that we would shine brightly in a world that desperately needs to know you. So Jesus, use us powerfully. And we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.